Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome everyone to the PJ's Cast. I'm your host Pierce, alongside of my good co-host Dylan. But we have a very special guest today. Joining us is Lauren Campbell. How are we doing, Lauren? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, guys, for having me today. Well, it's a pleasure having you on. It's nice to to, to have you on. So you do um, sports reporting for uh, Mass Live Sports. So you cover? Do you cover all Boston teams right now? I do, yes. Yeah. So a little bit of everything, uh, which is great when it comes to Bruins and Celtics. Not so great when it comes to Patriots and a very slow Red Sox offseason. But at least I know when it comes to the Red Sox, there's there's hope that this this can get going this offseason. Yeah, I feel other than Otani, really nothing has happened in the in the in the baseball offseason. But yeah, it's been a slow offseason. I'm wondering how uh, did you grow up in the Boston area and and did you and how did you get your uh, start in sports writing I guess yeah so I grew up in Massachusetts born and raised so a lot of sports in our household growing up we watched mm-hmm. a lot of baseball a lot of hockey and in high school is when I started kind of thinking about a career in journalism and I read the sports section every single day um, my parents got the newspaper so we, I'd read the newspaper like an 85-year-old man with my muffin every single morning <laughs> and my cup of coffee and um, just started being like, I can do this as a career. So I went to college for it. Um, it took me a long time to get through undergrad. It took me like six years, but it's not about how fast you get through school or anything like that. Did a lot of internships, a lot, a lot, a lot of blogging. And I couldn't find a job in sports right away, which is not uncommon. It's a very tough industry to break into. And um, I was working at a gym. I was working at construction firms as an admin. I was doing accounting. I was doing everything except like getting paid for journalism. But just I I pretty much blogged my way until I was able to break into this industry um, about eight years ago. So then just kind of climbing from there. I feel that's always the way to get in is like it's not necessarily which careers you work it's the people you know and you can you kind of slowly work your way up some people get the job right away but then sometimes it's, it's it takes a while but I guess it's all about the, the the journey and not how long it takes yeah exactly I mean the people say that you know it's a it's a marathon not a race or yeah yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think I have that the right way so yeah it's kind of like that I mean I know people who have done this the second they've graduated from college and I know people who are still trying to break in and they're, you know, they'll get there. It's just, everyone's path is different and it's, I mean, it's tough no matter which way you slice it, but it's a, it's a really good group of reporters and beat writers in Boston. So very lucky in in that regard and everyone's worked really hard. So I feel like we all kind of have that admiration for each other that we all have different paths and it's been, it's been a journey for each and every one of us. Um, kind of on the topic of uh, making things quick to 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 the big profession, um, Matthew Potra. We just found out today he's getting sent to the the World Juniors, and coming into the season, he had a very good season last year in the OHL. And there's maybe some talks maybe he can make the team, and he kind of uh, came onto the scene and had a very hot start. And I'm 
guessing by looking by the stats, it's, it's kind of cooled down, and I'm assuming that's probably why they're sending him to the World Juniors just to kind of get his confidence back. Um, I kind of want to ask about how he's been playing down the stretch because he had that hot start, and if he might stay here the rest of the year once he comes back from the World Juniors or they might send him back to, 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 to the CHO, OHO, where he plays. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think it's great that he's able to go to the World Juniors, represent his country. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment and a huge honor for anyone who gets to be able to do that. And I think it's a, a good start for him. I mean, he had a great start to the season. And I think being able to go to the World Juniors, people keep saying that it'll be a good break for him. And I don't think they mean it like physically because you have a lot of games and a lot of days, especially if they if Canada gets to the gold medal game. So I think that it's going to be great for him mentally. He'll have some competition, you know, people around his age. He's still only 19, and I think people forget that, that he had a really strong camp. He had a really strong start to the season. And I know Jim Montgomery has benched him in the third. He's limited his minutes in the third period. And some of that, too, just stems from him not having the strength and the stamina yet uh, for an NHL schedule. And that will come eventually. That's nothing like that's not a shot against him at all. And I think, you know, going to the World Juniors will definitely help kind of have a mental reset, play with the competition around his age and just get right back to the NHL in January and hopefully, you know, get back to what he was in the beginning. But I think he stays with the team the rest of the year. I know Don Sweeney said today that he made it very clear that once the World Juniors are over, he will come back to the Bruins. But that's kind of been the thing all year is that he knows just because he he went past the nine games and it, you know, will be with the NHL. He knows that that's not the case for the entire season or knows that might not be the case the entire season. He's very aware that he can go back, but even with his little slump right now, he's still, you know, he's still happy. He's still smiling. He's not, you know, he's not taking shots at Mon Montgomery or anything. And I think that they have a very good relationship and they're very good communication and about where he, they expect him to be and what they expect of him. And I mean, he's, like I said earlier, he's 19 there's going to be slumps. He's not going to be perfect. Um, not everyone comes into the NHL and, and starts off hot right away. So World Juniors will be very, very good for him. And I know people are like risk of injury. I mean, everyone who goes over there has the risk, same risk of injury as anyone else. So I, I'm excited for him. Like I said, it's an honor to represent your country. And I think it'll be a nice mental reset and just kind of get back to what worked for him so far in the beginning of the season that made him so successful yeah i feel as a him not being a, a notable draft pick he didn't go in the top 10 or anything he didn't he was he's a second round pick and again still 19 years old you still have to be as the bruins management and, and coaching still impressed with how you know big strides have made he's made being as a 19 year old so yeah he's gonna go through his slumps but i yeah, I, I think that's a, that's that's a good start for him. Uh, Schmitty, do you have any questions to ask? I want to I want to hand the floor to you. I don't want to keep talking here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I just saw I wanted to ask because obviously Boston's sitting at the top of the conference right now. They're having a very good season once again. <clears throat> uh, they had that tremendous start back to back years now. But um, as we progress into 2024, I'm curious as to what Boston might be looking at when come the trade deadline. Because uh, I know they don't have as much draft capital as they'd probably like to use, but uh, also this team is making another look at a deep run, and I wonder if Don Sweeney's looking at some of the lineup and wondering if he could add or 
I'm just here wondering what you're hearing on maybe what would happen at the deadline in a couple months. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that we're already talking about the trade deadline and what what teams could be doing. Um, but you know, we're at that point in the year where we kind of see what teams are, their identity, and what they could do come playoff time. And I think if I'm the Bruins, I would look at adding another center. And maybe with you know the emergence of Geeky over the last week or so has been great. Obviously, Potra, I think we'll get back to what he was in the beginning or at least somewhere near where he was at the start of the season. Um, but, you know, losing Bergeron and Krejci and even uh, Nosek, he was great on the faceoffs. He really helped fill a void um, with those faceoffs. And I think people underestimate how much the Bruins do miss him. But with Johnny Beecher, that's, you know, he's picked up some of those faceoff wins. But I would really like a center and maybe some more defensive depth. I think I love Mason Lorai. I think he's going to be a star in the NHL, but he's just not ready yet. And he needs those big minutes in the AHL. He needs to really like work on his his game in a way where he's not making the, the small mistakes when he's not picking up his guy or he kind of looks lost on the ice and and that will come I think just he needs more more of those big minutes in the AHL so I think just a not a top pairing defenseman by any means you know just something something easy they can get with with the lack of what they have and, and their cap space too I mean this was an issue last year and call it a blessing in disguise that Taylor Hall went on long-term IR where they were able to get Bertuzzi in that regard. But, you know, something like, like a Bertuzzi, but in terms of a center, someone like that, where maybe they can figure that out. I mean, they, they don't need much, but they do need some help in regards to the, the center position and a little bit of help on defense. Yeah, you can never be too deep come playoff time. I, yep. All it takes is one injury, and we've seen it with a lot of teams over the years. Like I, the one I always think about is I bet Nashville going into that Cup run. They, I bet they wish they had one more center once yep. Ryan Johansson went down. So it always, it's always nice to have one more. Like hell, even when the Hawks won in 2015, I bet they don't feel too bad about trading the first River Met anymore because. Right. He was huge come playoff time. So, and and the Bruins have been known to make those moves over the year. Like I feel like a move that's finally getting credit for them is that Charlie Coyle move a couple years back because he has really taken that step into the top six and been the player that I think we all know he was capable of being. He was just kind of down the down the depth chart because you know Bergeron was still performing at an elite rate. So it. It, it would be nice. I agree. Like one more center would definitely do them justice. Yeah. And, and Coyle, I mean, he's really taken a step forward. And I think that stems from Krejci and Bergeron leaving. I think when Krejci went away overseas for that one year, I think there was always that that thought that he was going to come back and there still was Bergeron. So now they're like a lot of players, not just Coyle, are forced to take that step forward. But he's definitely just been a, a really bright spot for this team. He stepped up when this team has needed it. And he's just, he's hard to stop. And I mean, he had that mishap in overtime the other night, but overall you look at what he's done this year and even last year, he's really, really stepped up and kind of grown into the center that they've needed him to be. 100%. In terms of injuries, like it also defensive depth, I always think of, I think it's the 2011 Canucks where I think, I don't know if it was 12 or 13, but they used over 10 defensemen. Like you can never have enough uh, defensemen come playoff time. And obviously the, them helping them upgrading the center position would help them a lot because it feels like it's very Patrick right now, especially with Bergeron and Krejci done, but like they're, they're getting the job done. Like Patra had the hot start and then it seemed like Zaka took off and now Coyle's taking took over for a bit. And then now it sounds like Morgan geeky is stepping up. So I, I always think like the perfect trade would be them going to Calgary and say, what would you want for Elias Lindholm making another trade for Lindholm at the trade deadline and potentially getting another defenseman in there. I don't know if, 
they could get Noah Hannafin. I mean, that'd be cool, him being a Boston boy, but maybe right. a Chris Tanev would fit perfectly in Boston as well, I think. Yeah, I know Lindholm, there's always that connection, and he's. I feel like he's always been connected to the Bruins, whether it's through rumors or just fan speak on, on Twitter when people are like, this would make perfect sense. And I do think he'd be a, a really good fit, and Tanev too, and I, I mean, I think any of those guys you mentioned would be a great fit. It's just now it's a matter of can they get that done? Who are you giving up in terms mm-hmm. of bringing someone in? And if you're shipping someone out, it, whoever you're bringing in, you have to 100%, 110% be sure that they're making your team better, that your team isn't getting worse because of who you're shipping out. So a bit of a double-edged sword for the Bruins going into the trade deadline. But if anyone can make it happen, it's Don Sweeney. He gets, he gets crap for how he drafted, and that's fine. But he, I think he makes up for it in the way that he completes trades. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I and feel. Oh, sorry. You go. Uh, I was just going to say, like, the cap gymnastics we've seen the last couple deadlines, like, we know they could get a $5 million contract down to 1.25. If they really, if they throw a couple more picks around, that's very possible. So it should be interesting. What were you going to say, Pierce? Oh, I was going to say, like, yeah, if you uh, GMs that really want to make moves get moves done. Like we've we've seen, yeah, even the Bruins. Like we've seen Vegas do it when they get a play, want to get a player, they get a player. Doesn't matter how many times they got to retain down the salary or flip other players to get a player. I mean, yeah, you can fault Don Sweeney for maybe not drafting the best, but I mean, the Bruins have been competitive, consistently a playoff team for 15 years now. And even when they weren't make, there was a couple of years they didn't make the playoffs. Like they were still right there. They've always been a competitive team. That's what I would want my general manager to do is continually make these moves. They did it last year for Bertuzzi. They did it for Lindholm as well. And like a couple of years back, it didn't quite work out. Like they went for Andre Kasha and got rid of David Backus. Like every, like Rick Nat, like you can go on and on the list of players they've traded for. I would, yeah, maybe the, 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 the prospect covered is barren right now. But I mean, having guys like Matthew Potra come up and like Mason Lor, it's Mason Lorite, right? That's how you say it. Yep. Yeah, it's like it's not like they're completely bare. Like they have a couple guys coming up. Like you got to do it right now. I think everyone kind of thought after last year that was their last chance to go to run. But who knows? Maybe with less expectations, they're still going to finish a great year. Maybe this could be the year that they, at the least, maybe go to a conference final or something, and maybe not win a cup, but yeah. still make a big move at the deadline. Yeah, I think that's the big key for them is is that deadline because I mean a lot can happen between now and the deadline in terms of standings and where they're where they are and you know they're one injury away from being down a, a key player whether that's on the top line I mean Zaka missed the last few games or even the fourth line so I you know you mentioned it earlier can never have too much depth there's no no such thing as too much depth and you know Johnny Beecher Mason Lori Matt Patra they're all very young and it wouldn't hurt for them to get somebody with a little bit of experience under their belt. Playoff experience obviously also helps a lot in these situations, but I think they, overall they do have a good team. And I think, yes, the, the window is closed, you know, for the, the 2011 core, you know, with everyone pretty much gone from, from that team minus a, a few, but it's, there's still that culture there. There's still that next man up mentality there. And I know it's cliche, but they talk about the culture all the time that Chara came in to help build. And everyone just has bought in since playing under him, whether that's Bergeron, Pasternak, Brad Marchand. They've all bought into that culture and they help kind of build or keep continue to build that with the younger players. And even the veterans that came in when Nick Foligno was in Boston, he bought in right away. And I'm sure you guys as Blackhawks fans know how oh, much. Oh, he's brought just, that to <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just as a leader, just like he might not bring – 
you know, 20, 25 goals, but he's going to bring you leadership that you don't get in every single team. So it's something, I mean, someone like him can make a huge difference to a team. Mm-hmm. And and I guess for Boston's advantage, there's always those type of guys come deadline time. So it, it just comes down to like, if you can make the salary work on some of these moves, you could bring in one of those guys for the bottom six. And it just, I feel like it makes everyone around them better. And they'll be more situationally sound because like, I feel like Boston is one of the most situationally sound teams in the league. If you take them on a bad night, you're going to maybe get 20 shots up on them. So if they could just, like you said, you need to find people that fit into that culture. Like I thought Garnet Hathaway was a great pickup by them last year. Come playoff time. Like just someone who's going to make the other team's life hell. And uh, (laughs) it seems like Boston always has a knack for finding those guys. That's the Bruins MO there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, even like, even Bertuzzi too. Uh, he, mm-hmm. you know, he'd always get under people's skin. Him and Marshan had beef for years, <laughs> and you know, it's in Hathaway too. He, he, he gets under people's skin, and he knows how to do that. And it, nine times out of ten, isn't going to impact the Bruins. You know, he's not going to go off for two minutes or five minutes or anything like that. So, I mean, those smaller pickups that aren't going to cost you an arm and a leg either are always mm-hmm. so beneficial to have. I mean, even Dmitry Orlov. I mean, he doesn't. I feel like he doesn't get enough credit because the, the, the defense was very good. But I mean, he came in and he just fit right in with with that team. No matter what pairing you put him on, he was ready to go. And I mean, him and, and uh, Hathaway came cheap, and so did Bertuzzi at the end of the day. Hundred uh, percent. I think Pierce wanted to ask a question real quick. Yeah, kind of to wrap up on that, like to that point we made before of like since Chara came in, I feel that's when the Bruins really made that step into being this consistent playoff team, Stanley Cup contender for the past fifteen years. Is like switching captains like they've gone they went from char to bergeron which is about as like perfect of a, like a captain trade-off you can get and then they've gone from bergeron to marshawn like no matter who is the captain and even the head coach like they played so well under bruce cassidy they were one win away from the cup and and they fired him after losing i think in the first round against carolina and then they bring jim montgomery in and like his, he has an absurd record after i think a little over 100 games where he has like 80 wins or something ridiculous like that like no matter who the captain is like what the personnel is in that locker room or who's the coach is it's like you know what it is to be a boston bruin like you know exactly what boston bruins hockey is like they might have the most clearest identity of of any team in the nhl which is why they've been so good for so long and then general manager knows how to find those players to fit in he does and you know he does have that that red mark we'll call it when they signed Mitchell Miller last year I think it was but yeah they thankfully corrected that but that you know that that's a mark on his on his signing there but yeah I mean you when Chara came in he wanted to he said during his retirement press conference that he wanted to build a culture the right way and he wanted he knew that this team was the team to do it with and like I mentioned earlier everyone just bought in and it was easy to buy in when you have people who genuinely care about the game who genuinely care about you as people I mean, these Bruins, they're friends. They're like best friends off the ice. Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark, like they are like the best of friends They're in the BFFs entire world. They, they are yeah. friendship goals. <laughs> like they are just like, they're, I mean, they know what they need to do on the ice. There's no competition between them. Bergeron and Marshan were best friends, still are best friends. And it's just, you know, they're, they're just a really tight knit group. And I think that even though things at the end were, you know, dicey with Cassidy, he was still very successful. He still got the best out of the players. And that's what Jim Montgomery is doing. And he's getting the best out of them in a different way. And people want to perform for guys like Cassidy. We saw that last year with the Vegas Knights, you know, winning it all. <laughs> of course, like, of course, like 
Cassidy said it wasn't a revenge tour, but I know it just had to feel so sweet just winning that cup and finally oh, yeah. getting his name yeah. on the cup. But mm-hmm. when you when you buy into a culture of a team, whether it's Vegas, Boston, anywhere, it's easy to to be motivated to give your best every single night. And when you don't give your best every single night, your coach is gonna you're gonna hear about it from your coach. And I think that's great. You hold your players accountable to a, a special to a certain degree. I like that Montgomery does not if there's something like a message to be had in the media, will ask him about it. He'll say, Oh, that message will come Monday or Tuesday. And even though some people might not like that to me, that says that to me, that says, I'm going to speak to the player. I'm going to tell him what I'm saying before anyone else hears it and make sure he knows where we're at. Um, and th- that's, that's part of the culture that Chara helped build all those years ago. And it's just continuing to, it's continuing without him, which is is great because Yes, Marshan is still there from that time, and he's he's going to pass that on to Poshnok when Marshan retires. And who knows? I feel like he he could tell you he's got ten years left in him. But <laughs> and then it's just it just continues to go down the line, and that's a very special thing about this team. Oh yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say they all need tremendous credit because we've seen time and time again. Heck, we even saw it with the Blackhawks when the last five years or so. Once you get to that success level, sometimes you see these. Like you, you just see why culture matters so much because you see so many organizations turn into a boys' club after it they got won. so rotten and stale in, the, in that Blackhawks front office, like especially in the late teens and early 2020s before all like the Kyle Beach stuff came out. And that brew that's another thing for the Bruins, like they were the first team, them and Bruce. Like, again, Bruce Cassie was the head coach, it didn't matter who the captain or head coach was, but there's that culture like that we can't have this happen in a locker room, we need to make this a safe place for everyone to play hockey. So that's a, that's another thing for them. Well, yeah, and I was right. also going to yeah. say, like, they just don't suck. Like, that's another yeah. <laughs> thing. Like, that's more of the point I was trying to make. Yeah, like, yeah. we've watched the Caps and the Penguins do the same thing where they just, oh, we'll bring back the guys that worked for us before. And they're both at near middle to the bottom of the standings. And Boston is, they've, like you said, I, I just think you're 100% right with that culture Chara made almost a decade ago still reigns on and still holds strong in that in that locker room and i i think like you said that's tremendous credit because i you just seen it across the league there's so many teams that just get stuck because they try to stick to a way that is gone and i feel like the whole thing with the bruins is they they do stay the same but they're also adapting constantly and like i feel like you could look at their play style from five years ago to now and yeah there are changes but that's that like that grit that grind that that like the camaraderie is still there and like you it it goes to the leadership group and i guess it's it's also to um keeping your players around too and making them happy and like i like i really thought the posture not contract was going to be tougher to solve and they added that down immediately got lindholm eight years got mcavoy eight years like i gotta give sweeney credit he he gets it done every time we have even a little bit of doubt so he does. And they stay, I mean, they'll give you as many, as much answers that, that they can. I mean, with the whole Pashanak mm-hmm. thing every day, we were asking about it and <laughs> both of them were like, we're, you know, we're in talks with Pashanak's camp and Pashanak to be like, I'll let my agent handle all of that. <laughs> and I was like, there is, there's something deeper there. Like, it's like, it. We're, I think they're at the finish line. And I, when they got it done at the deadline, I was like, I think this is going to be when it happens because it makes too much sense. They'll know kind of where they're at in terms of cap space for the following year who they kind of want to bring back, where they stand in terms of 
acquisitions. Um, maybe, maybe they have an idea of free agency next year, especially with that cap crunch that they were up against in the off season. But yeah, I mean, he Sweeney will go out there. If he wants to keep a player, he's going to keep them. And I was talking about this earlier today about like when they decided not to keep Tory Krug when sure it certainly sucked because he was, you know, he was, he was loved here. He did his job very well. And you look at it now and he's hurt constantly, which you can't, and you can never predict that, but, and that's unfortunate for him because I do think he's a good player, but small things like that, where it's like that ended up at, in the moment when he goes and signs with the blues after they beat the Bruins in the Stanley cup final, it's like, wow, that, that kind of hurts. But then you look back <laughs> and it's like that ended up being the right move for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And then they went and got Hampus Lindholm the next year. And I remember that had a lot of question marks at the time too. They were like, why are you giving this guy eight years after he had a couple of middling years in Anaheim? And then he gets healthy for the first time in his whole career, I feel like. And he's playing some of the best hockey I think he's ever played the last year and a half. It's those type of things. He finished like top five in Norse voting last Mm -hmm. year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Yeah, I think there's something there that Sweeney sees in players that maybe you and I don't see just from like the general eye test. And also, you know, I'm not watching every single NHL game. So I don't see these players as much as, you know, the Sweeney's and everyone are paying attention to. And I look at, you know, someone like Paul Zaka when he never reached his ceiling in New Jersey and they saw that they were like, he can definitely do better here. I mean, anyone's going to play their best hockey next to Patrice Bergeron. I think we can all agree on that. But even before his injury, I mean, he's really stepped up into that top line role and he he has such good chemistry with Pasternak. And I don't know if there was something there when Sweeney was like, there's going to be that Czech connection there, the Czech style of hockey, or if it's going to be something more like he's more of like a leader and just can't get that in new jersey and he got he's getting it in boston so if you can hear my dog i'm sorry so yeah. had the, had the nerve <laughs> my dog to walk by thing, my house worry. um so she is not happy that someone just walked <laughs> by the house but um but you know just that they had that sweeney has that eye to it's kind of reminds me of like old older school bill belichick when he could find some uh, almost mm-hmm. make not not something out of nothing because these players are obviously are something but you just you can get more out of a player that ne- maybe necessarily wasn't able to get more out of from the original team. Taylor Hall's another great example. Uh, I know he's gone for this year now, unfortunately, but he, I mean, he's bounced around a bit. He's MVP for first round pick, like or first overall pick you, there's something obviously going to be there. I think Boston got the most out of him and it's just, and he was playing on the third line here. So (laughs) there's that, just that knack for to, to see that the potential in players is so much more than what they're giving to their teams. They're old school. They're old. They're old teams to their new teams. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. While there are a lot of intriguing NHL games this week, I'm going a bit into the future and looking at the awards. There's this guy on the Chicago Blackhawks. You might have heard him. His name is Connor Bedard. He has plus five thousand odds to win the Rocket Richard, and that's definitely something I want to take a gander at, especially with the way he's playing. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 
21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of National Hockey League. 100%. And uh, I guess that kind of leads into a question I had real quick about um, just like because we're talking about Sweeney and guys that he wants to keep in the long term and whatnot. I, there are a couple contracts up this offseason that I'm curious as to uh, maybe if they're going to let them walk in unrestricted free agency or let them stick around, in, in particular, DeBrusque and Grizzly, because um, I know they I think DeBrusque is making four and uh, Grizzly's like three point eight or something. But Boston's at a point where you could keep them or you could use that cap space elsewhere. And I'm just curious what uh, you're hearing right now in terms of if they're going to stay or go. I haven't heard anything about what their future holds. I know that DeBrusque had said in the offseason that he hopes to avoid free agency and just remain in Boston. He always comfortable here. He's made his connections and his friends and his his family. Not I mean, they're still in Canada, but he's got, you know, his <laughs> his Bruins family in in Boston. So I think that he has a better chance of returning. Like if the Bruins had to pick one, I would say DeBrusque. And I think that just stems from them having a lot of help in terms of defense in Providence. And there's still a lot. I mean, they still have really good forward help in Providence as well. But I think that DeBrusque is is slumping right now. He's acknowledged it, but he's not the reason they're losing games. He's not causing them to lose games. And it's certainly not for lack of effort. I mean, he should probably have at least 10 goals right now because he's just, he just has had no puck luck. He's just not going in the net, but he's still bringing the intensity every night. So I'm not really worried about him. And I, I like Grizzly. I think that, you know, he's done he's done a lot for this organization. He's local. His dad is within the organization as well. And there's just a really good connection there. But I also think someone like him, because there's so much, they, they do have other options on defense, that he might be the odd man out come free agency. But then you look at someone like, would you rather keep him or Derek Forbert? And I yeah. think most people <laughs> would say Grizzly. But it's and the, but they might have draft capital there in, in DeBrusque or it or Grizzly if there's a team going on a run, they want a, a rental or the possibility to re-sign them at the, the end of the season. But I do think that the Bruins will try to keep DeBrusque. I don't know if he'll get the long-term that he was hopeful for just because of the start, but there's still a lot of hockey left to be played. Like I know I said earlier at that point in the season where we kind of know what teams are in terms of their identity, but I still think DeBrusque has another level. And I think that stems from there's been a lot of line changes in the in the Bruins for the games. He doesn't really have consistent line mates like he did last year. And I think that losing Bergeron, you know, Bergeron knew where he was on the ice every single game, every single night. And that's, you know, it's something he has to get used to as well. But it's, I mean, neither Grizzly nor DeBrusque are the reason the Bruins have lost games. But I think if they had to choose one, I do think that they would stick with DeBrusque. Yeah, and I guess on the bright side for Grizzly, like if he does hit unrestricted free agency, we've seen the kind of contracts defensemen have been fetching oh, yeah. lately. He'll get a nice four or five year deal somewhere. Someone will definitely. pay for his services for sure. Yeah, he's quick. He's a puck mover. Like he's mm-hmm. he definitely can benefit any team, and, and he still can benefit the Bruins. He certainly oh, does. Yeah. So, but if he can go get that four or five year deal, go get that deal because that's and he's what is he twenty eight. You know, that's when you're hitting the, that's, that's getting old, quote unquote, in sports world. <laughs> so you want to get that, that long-term deal locked up. 100%. Um, last thing I want to bring up till we get to some, to some lightning round questions here. We briefly brought up their friendship, but I want to talk about um, the performance of Linus, Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman 
and J- Jeremy Sw- Swayman potentially signing a, a contract extension on January 1st because I believe he went to arbitration last year, so he's only on one year right now, but he's still eligible to sign an extension on, on January 1st. And I'm just wondering, how do you think that will play out? Do you think maybe in the offseason they'll look at trading maybe Alinas Olmark where they try to keep both or maybe even trade Swayman? I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the, the goaltending situation? I think they'll try to keep both. I think that they have a really good thing with both of them. I mean, there's, I mean, you have the Vesna, the reigning Vesna winning champ, champion trophy winner. You also have Jeremy Swayman, who is making a case for it this year. So <laughs> it's crazy just like how good they both are. And yes, they've certainly struggled at times, but how many times can you look at a goalie who gave up four goals and still say it was their best performance of the night or best performance of the year? and was the Bruins' best player on the ice. So they have something very special with the both of them, but they do also have really good goaltending in Providence. And it's like, do you want to kind of block anyone from coming up to the NHL? But I think if, if nothing is broken, don't try to fix it. And unless you can get like an absolute haul for Allmark, which you probably could have last year after he won the Vesna, he probably was at his highest, but you have something really good with them. Just, like I mentioned earlier, there's no competition between them. They're constantly cheering each other on. Uh, Allmark's kids call Jeremy Uncle Sway. So <laughs> like, like they are very, very close. And I don't know if the Bruins should even break them up just for like their no. like their friendship and their mental health. Like, could they be yeah. away? Like, could they work separately from each other? And it's just, it's really good what they have. And I think that that is part of that culture, yes. But it's also just them just connecting and wanting the best for this team. And that's not to say like other goalie tandems don't want the best for their team, of course, but it's, it's just working so well. And I would be shocked if they, unless something goes catastrophically wrong, I don't see them trying to split that tandem up anytime soon. Gotcha. Yeah. You pretty much got Tim Thomas into grasp from like 10 years <laughs> ago right there. So might as well keep it as like together as long as you can. Like Lena Solmark last year, winning the Vesna and scoring a goalie goal for good measure. Yes. Like a, his season was on par of Tim Thomas. I think it was 2010, 2011. And oh no, he's regressed to a 915 this year, which is like oh no above league <laughs> oh, average. No. But then Jeremy, 2018s would yeah. kill for that. <laughs> yeah. I know Edmonton would. Yep. Oh, uh, Carolina, Carolina yeah, would. Yeah, oh god, their goalie yeah, situation yeah. too. But and, and also, like, I just looked at their cap friendly real quick. It seems like they'll only have one year where Olmark's getting five and Swayman will get whatever his extension is. So once Olmark's next contract's up, they might be able to move that around a little bit easier. But, yeah, now that you mention it, like, you could run one more year with both of them and Nat might as well because it, it, there's such a luxury of having an elite goalie both nights. And it, it just makes the opponent's life hell on a back-to-back, I feel like. Because it's oh, like, yeah. oh, like I remember, I think I went to a Hawks game. I don't know if the Hawks caught them on a second half of back-to-back this year, but I they started Swayman or Olmark. And I was like, doesn't matter. Like, either one's going to have a very good night in net regardless. And that's a testament to how good they are and a testament to how good a team defense uh, Boston plays every night. Yeah. And I feel like that really gets understated with really good goaltending is just, it's not only that the goalies are freaks and are playing insane, like, like you said, Swayman's probably going to win the Vesna this year if he keeps it up, but it's also just the structure in front of them that is just so rock solid. Like they, the shot suppression Boston does is really something to be admired. 
Yeah, I think it makes life easy for like the goaltending that the defense plays that well, but then it also makes life for the defense knowing that if they do mess up, they got a goalie that's going to make a save regardless of who's in there. It's just, yeah, always structure is like the first thing I think of with the Bruins as as a as a hockey team. So, yeah, I, I every year I feel I, spe- I feel especially the past few years we're like, oh, is this going to be the year that Boston falls off? This really. <laughs> felt like the year especially with the Atlantic being the way it is with all these teams that are good but not everything goes to plan like I feel the east has been such like a I don't want to call it a shit show for for like a better term but it just feels kind of all over the place like I, I can't tell who you know the favorite is right now but if Boston keeps it up like having two good goalies having a good you know defensive structure if you can add another center into that or into that team like that's an, a a team that can go on a deep playoff run and maybe win a cup. Who, who knows? So Jim Montgomery just has to make sure he utilizes goalies the best way possible this year. Yeah. I think he learned from last year, but mm-hmm. hopefully yeah. that you know you ride the hot goalie absolutely. But the second that hot goalie struggles, you got another one waiting on the bench. You you got to make sure you get that because it's playoffs. Anything that might have so yeah. that might have been the difference between them. You know, going on a deep, deep playoff run and blowing that series. So. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Well, I don't know if you have anything else to ask, Dylan, or you can get on to the lightning round questions and then wrap the, the podcast up. We've been appreciative. Yeah, been appreciative of the time you've taken for us. So we're going to get on to, you know, the most important questions, you know, stuff that actually matters. So <laughs> we're going to ask you, what are what is some of your favorite music? You know, whether it's a, you know, a band, an artist, album, whatever. So and I'm, then, yeah. Oh, sorry. so um, I'm like, I'm. I'm an elder millennial. I'm still obsessed with, you know, Blink-182, Green Day, Foo Fighters, that music I grew up on. Um, I'm also really big into Kenny Chesney and Eric Church. I like a little bit of everything. Um, I'm no Swifty by any means, but I do enjoy Taylor Swift. Um, I do enjoy her music. Um, Certainly not to the point where a lot of people are like finding those Easter eggs in her songs or anything she does, (laughs) anything like she just exists and people are like, oh, she's telling us something. No, I just want to listen to her music and just vibe to that. Um, and there's another smaller band called Say Anything that I've loved for like, feels like 20 years. Um, they're finally going on tour again for the first time in 10 years next year. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and yeah, just, you know, I, I'm someone in my playlist is still like early 2000s, like pop punk, pop, pop punk rock, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, can't let go of that. And that's, I think that's just the, the elder millennial in me. <laughs> Yeah, it's my brother. He has all that stuff on his playlist. He loves loves Blink One Eighty Two. Loves the like a lot of those bands that were big in the nineties. And mm-hmm. well, they're still big now, but like that's when their big hits came. Out. Right. Yeah. As for as for Taylor Swift, I'm more like I don't like Taylor Swift. Like, there's a few songs I like, like bangers, but I'm not like again same thing as you. Not deep into the albums, but I'm fascinated by like how big of a pop star she is. How much she has like like as just a global phenomenon that <laughs> we yeah. have like we have her going into the football world and now, you know, Taylor Swift fans are coming football. Like it's just, it's, I'm so, you know, fascinated by that more so than her being like a musical artist, I guess. It's like, that's crazy. The, that's yeah. the real question. How was uh, Taylor Swift at the Patriots game this weekend? That had to get some <laughs> coverage, right? I, I was there. I was covering the game. So um, it was, you know, they had her on the Jumbotron and I know they showed her a few times throughout the broadcast, but yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy just I could never imagine being her level of famous to the point where like you can't walk outside without getting swarmed. Like, good for her. She's you know, she's 
she's a really good influence, I think, on a lot of people. There's way worse people that uh, people oh, can idolize, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's crazy the effect she's having on the NFL, the Chiefs, and worlds are colliding. And it's it's fun to watch <laughs> because it's like people, you know, they're like, oh, she's Michael Jackson famous, which I'm like, I'm not a good judge of that because, I mean, when Michael Jackson died, I think I was like 20. So I remember when that happened. It was my last day of grade two. Oh, <laughs> grade two. Good Lord. I was like a yeah, I adult. I was having a nap. I was having my <laughs> mid-afternoon nap when that happened. Yeah, I remember got home from school last day of school, and I was outside with some friends in our backyard, and then I can hear from inside the house my mom yelling, oh, my God, Michael Jackson died. <laughs> oh, my God. That's wow. how I remember that. Yeah. That's, wow. Grade two. Holy smokes. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite TV shows? Um, Scrubs will always be my number one, my comfort show. It is my all-time favorite show. Um, also really love Only Murders in the Building. It's on Hulu. It has, that, that's really good. It is so, I love it. I think it's funny. I think it's, I love how they really just like lead into all the characters. And also big on the uh, Chicago series, the Chicago Fire, Med, and PD. Um, really, really big into that. They have reruns like pretty much every day. And my husband will sit there and be like, oh, I don't watch this. But then he'll like, well, what's this character? Who's this? What's this? I thought they were over here. So he's he's into that too. I'll tell you no, but I've gotten him very much into that with my obsessive <laughs> rerun watching while the while I wait for the new season next month. How about uh favorite movies? Um I like I really like The Dark Knight with with Heath Ledger oh, yeah. that that's Classic a superhero movie. That's a good one. Uh 10 things I hate about you. I I like Heath Ledger, RIP. Um those two of my favorites and I'm I love, you know, Disney movies. Growing up I loved, you know, The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast and oh, those I are always that. very good comfort movies. Um this is going to sound weird but my dog loves watching Secret Life of Pets and I don't know if it's like <laughs> I don't know if it's just like the colors that she can see but she will sit and watch the movie and it's just really funny like watching her like sit there like sit straight up like a person and watch this movie so i'm a, like i don't know if that was her past life or whatever um <laughs> but anytime that's on i will always watch that with her yeah i don't know how animals do it. there's this account i follow on instagram it's this cat who is she's an older cat but she loves like watching uh uh cartoons and, and movies <laughs> and she and like she'll wake up her owner to watch like these movies and shows so i wonder like how like that works it's up but like she'll just be like like watching the screen whereas my cat who is like you know st- sitting on my desk or i don't think she for any of that stuff so she just likes to annoy me and and be with me so as a cat should oh yeah oh yeah i would my dog likes watching the tv until the sound gets crazy and then she's oh. like i'm out no much noise like we'll be watching like she likes star wars when like ray's talking and then Kylo Ren starts talking and she'll leave the room. She doesn't like that. All oh, right. We know where she stands in that it's franchise. So but like when Ray's talking, she'll look right at the TV. So that's so it's like, funny. It's like, all right, were you British in your past life? Like, <laughs> so we're getting it right now. All right. So I don't know if you have any other questions to ask Dylan or we can we can wrap this up. I think it's a good place to wrap up. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> yeah, yes, thank, thank you, you for having much. me. This was fun. Always happy to come on and hopefully the Blackhawks can give you more positive things to talk about down the line. Yeah. Let's so. <laughs> just get that top three pick this year probably. <laughs> and we'll we'll regroup in the offseason. <laughs> yeah. We'll have fun watching the draft in in the in the sphere in Vegas. In the sphere. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's fear. Good lord. <laughs> 
All right, yeah. Thank you, Lauren, for coming on, and I hope you have a, have a great Christmas and a great holidays and a great New Year. Yeah, you guys too.